My Story, an Autobiography of a Homosexual Christian by Derek Michael Shaw. Episode 13, My Parents Find Out I'm Gay, But Don't You Worry, Child. August 2009, I finally told my parents that I was homosexual, eight years after I had first accepted that I was attracted to men. I've edited this next section quite a bit by adding in more of my thoughts and including a few emails between myself and my family members. My time in New Zealand has given me some new revelations, and I think these are important parts to my story. Why did I take so long to come out to my parents? Why did I feel compelled to wait until I had a boyfriend before I came out to my parents? There are two reasons for these questions. First, I was scared. I was scared of losing my family, the single most important thing to me. I think all my family members would agree that I seem to think this family is awfully important. If any of them think otherwise, please let me know. Second, I had assumed things would go bad. At this time, I had been dating Tracy for nine months and had spent a Christmas with his family. For all intents and purposes, I had a new family, one that accepted me and loved the boy that I loved. They had hugged me and welcomed me into their home. I never wanted to be alone, and now I didn't have to be if I held on to Tracy. Tracy even gave me some measure of hope with my family. He had shared stories of his family not accepting him when he first came out, but they had made me feel like family at Christmas and were happy to see me dating their son. I forget that there would have been around 13 years between those two events, Tracy's coming out and his family's acceptance of me. So maybe I just need to wait another three years for my own family to get to that same place. I told mom and dad at Priest Lake, just like I did with Jonathan and Kendra. But while I gained acceptance and love from J and K two years earlier, mom and dad didn't understand. They didn't really accept me. There were a lot of tears from both mom and I. Dad cried a little, but was mostly silent. Both my parents were very confused and distraught. After the tears calmed down, mom wanted to believe that this was just a phase, asking me how I knew this to be true. And while I tried to tell my story, I didn't say everything I've now said over the past 12 episodes. I didn't tell my story. I just wanted them to accept me. I knew it wasn't a phase, and I asked that they trust me. I felt I could be trusted because I had made so many good choices in my life. How could I be choosing poorly now? I also stressed that I had never been attracted to a woman, physically or sexually and I really wanted them to be happy for me because I was really happy with Tracy. I had been dating him for nine months and had met his family. He was a wonderful boyfriend who cared for me. But I did a bad job at explaining that. And maybe I should have had Tracy there by my side. I do regret not asking for his support in this. The rest of the family time at Priest Lake was very uncomfortable for all of us. I eventually went back to Portland without any additional conversation on the subject. A few weeks later, I received a handwritten letter from my mom. In the letter, she repeatedly said how much she loved me and was concerned for me. But I only remember one sentence from that letter, 
as it was the most hurtful thing my mother ever said to me. She said when I told her I was homosexual, it felt like she had been stabbed in the back and left bleeding to die on the sidewalk. This broke my heart, and it made it very difficult to talk to mom for several years, because I never wanted to cause her any pain or hurt, and I had even waited until I had what I considered was a good relationship so that I could show her I was happy and content with who I was. Instead, I felt like I had lost the support and love of my family, and I certainly lost their understanding. Eventually, I did return that letter to her a few years later, and I asked for us to talk about it. I'm glad I did return it, as I don't think she meant to cause the harm that she did, but we also never really talked about it. I'm pretty sure my mom has now forgotten that she ever said those words to me, but from my point of view, those words are burned into my soul. The story I told myself was that I was a backstabber, that my very existence caused a part of her to die. I told Jonathan and Kendra about it a few days later. Here's the email. August 18th, 2009. J and K. The letter was really pretty hurtful. I'll type it up in an email tonight. It communicated that mom was taking this extremely hard, and even though she said she loved me in it a couple of times, I didn't get that feel from the rest of the letter. I had no idea it would turn out like this, although I guess it is a huge shock for her, and she thinks I am choosing sex and love over God, which isn't the case. Thanks for getting back to me. I'll give you the full scoop tonight. Jonathan and Kendra also couldn't believe how hurtful the letter was. I also told Megan about my experience, and she must have told her mother, because I received another letter soon after my mom's letter. This one was from Megan's mom, Diane. In Diane's letter, she said all the things that I wish my mother would have said to me. Words of love and acceptance, words that recognized the difficult journey I had been on, and words that accepted me for who I am. I believe God provided that to me so that I didn't lose all hope at this point. Dearest Derek, you are a child of God, a bright shining star in his heaven. He blesses you on your unique journey through this life and will welcome you in heaven when your journey is done. It has to be so difficult to come out and say who you are in an environment of negative judgment and bias against your genetic wiring. I am so sorry that you had to probably worry yourself sick over just being honest. It doesn't seem right, does it? Please know that not all Christian denominations believe the same concerning same-sex partnerships. My hope is that you can consider joining a church that is all-in inclusive in their belief system so that your faith journey can continue without feeling you are in the wrong. God loves and accepts us all. It was always so good to have you over at our house when you and Megan were in high school. You are fun and talented and intellectually stimulating and have a kind and loving countenance. I have kept and treasured your very thoughtful letter you wrote to us many years ago, thanking us for the welcome you felt at our house. I was amazed that someone your age then would take the time to write your heartfelt comments to people his parents' age. You are special, Derek and deserving of all the good that comes your way. Laugh and love and share your talents. They are God-given. Warmly, Diane. 
But as wonderful as Diane's letter was, I really wanted to hear those words from my mom. Instead, when I received my mom's letter, it pushed me deeper into my relationship with Tracy. Because I had been rejected by my parents, I sought love and acceptance from Tracy. Unfortunately, I miscalculated because sometime in September, a month after I had lost contact with two-thirds of my family, I had to break up with Tracy. He wasn't wanting to commit to something more serious. Ten months was the longest period of time he had ever been in a relationship, so he was getting scared. I had just sacrificed my relationship with my family for this boy, and I wanted commitment. But I also knew I couldn't demand commitment, so I gave him his freedom. At the same time, I said I wouldn't wait around for him. I did meet guys and went on a couple of dates during the next month, which caused Tracy jealousy, and he had to decide what he really wanted. A few weeks into this break, we also had sex. I convinced Tracy to let me take him to the Portland rock climbing gym on a date of sorts. Afterwards, we were both sweaty and horny from staring at each other's asses the entire time. So we went back to his apartment and eventually got in the shower together. We had what we would later declare to be a top five sex session. It was hot because we were broken up, so it felt a little naughty. And I loved it because it was in the shower. I'm pretty sure this is one of the reasons that helped convince him to come back. He eventually asked me to be his boyfriend again. By October 4th, 2009, he wrote me a card to apologize for the horrible break that we had. He also wrote, what have I done to deserve you? And just like that, we were back together. October 17th, 2009, we celebrated our one-year anniversary. We didn't count that break in the timeline of our relationship. He gave me a card that he had saved for years. He had it for so long that it even had water damage to it. It said that he saw me as fundamental and elemental to his life. He said that we had created a family between us. The two were no longer separate. I also went on a Wheaton guys trip around this time, and Tracy gave me several cards to open during the trip. They were really cute because they had a top 10 list of my best attributes. I liked number seven the most, my capacity for forgiveness. Tracy also said that he was struggling to forgive himself for what had happened with the break, but I had found the strength to move forward. I came out to John Saveland on this trip. He was a former Wheaton roommate who was also gay, but I still didn't come out to any of my other Wheaton friends. I was too hurt from my family's poor reaction, and I really needed some support. John gave that to me, but we didn't really stay in touch afterward. Thanksgiving, Laura and Ada visited me in Portland. They were some friends I met through Ben and Allison the first year I lived in Delaware. They got to meet Tracy on this trip, and I was so happy that my friends seemed to like him. A few more people to help support me. We also celebrated Thanksmas, a holiday tradition started by Laura and Ada to celebrate the two holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. December 11th, I sent an email to Tia, my youngest sister. Tia, just a quick update. I have told everyone in the family about me now. Trevor was shocked on the phone, and rather than do that to Jason and Rachel, I wrote them an email, although Rachel has replied back and is very shocked as well, and thinks I am sinning and going against God's will by embracing who I believe myself to be. I think it's going to be a hard couple of years with the family, 
maybe indefinitely. Other than that, work is going well. I'm also thinking of buying a new laptop, using some of the money set aside that I didn't spend going home for Christmas. It would be nice to go home, although I'm not sure if anyone wants to see me. And it would be over $500, which is way too pricey. I love you. Hope things are going better for you. Derek. December 18th, 2009, Jason sent me this reply to an email exchange that Rachel and I had. I can't find either of those emails, though, and I'm not too sure why. Did I delete them because they were too painful? I really don't know. December 18th, 2009, Derek. Okay, sorry it has taken me a while to respond. I like to have time to think things out, usually. And let me just say, you have no idea the whirl my perceptions went through when I read your email. I really wanted to think it was some sad joke on your part. For full disclosure, let me state that, of course, I read Rachel's email back to you. I've also read your response. I'm sure you realize there aren't going to be secrets between my wife and I on this. That said, if you ask us not to share anything, we will respect your wishes. Know that I am in full agreement with Rachel on this. We view your life choice as sin, no ifs, ands, or buts. I certainly do not agree with any so-called misinterpretations of Scripture. Firstly, all Scripture is God-breathed. This means, by definition, that it must be inspired, infallible, and inerrant. That is, with no false doctrine present in it, and completely incapable of error. I realize one can fall back on an argument of original versus translated manuscripts. However, I believe that is a moot point, because God promises to protect his holy word. Psalm 12, 6, and 7. I also agree with and desire answers to the questions Rachel posed. You have responded to many of those, and I thank you for that dialogue. Know that we are trying hard to understand where and how you have been and are being deceived in these beliefs. At this point, in addition to her questions, I have one further comment. When we begin to say that the Bible has been mistranslated on some point, any point, where do we stop? This is a very slippery slope. If the Bible contains one error, any error, how can we then trust what it says regarding Jesus Christ, his godhood, his birth, death, and resurrection, those doctrines to which we believe we owe our very salvation. I have too much more to say to get it all in one email to you, but I hope you consider that point for now. I do and always will love you as a brother. That relationship can never change. As a Christian, I love you as I do everyone else, for the fact you have been created in God's image but I cannot and will not ever condone nor tolerate this choice you have made. That may sound harsh, but I believe God's judgment will be even harsher. I do hope we can continue to communicate as you've stated you'd like. I don't want to cut you off from ties to this family. Jason Christmas 2009 was spent with Tracy's family again, as well as together, just the two of us, at his apartment. So, while I was in pain from my family's rejection, I found love and was made to feel special by Tracy and his family. But I was still shaken to the very core by the events that occurred in 2009. I had come out to family in a very painful and disconnecting way, and Tracy and I had been broken up for over a month. My anxiety was at a whole new level after these events, but I had chosen this boy to love 
and be connected to, a boy who I had fallen madly in love with. Next time on My Story, Chapter 8, 2010.